Going into game two tonight, if the Wild can hold serve at the faceoff line, they should stand a good chance to win. We'll discuss faceoffs plus all of the Western Conference road teams getting off to a 1 0 start on today's episode of Locked on Wild. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any of our new videos. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we dive into an area that the Dallas Stars still hold the edge, and that is in the face-off circle. We'll talk about how the Stars use the face-offs to their advantage in Game 1 and how the Wild can try to get even in that category going forward in the series. We'll also talk about the road warrior mentality in the Western Conference as all four road teams winning their first game of the series. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off of your first purchase. The Minnesota Wild take on the Dallas Stars in Game 2 Tonight at 8.30-ish Central Time. The Wild trying to take a 2-0 lead on the road. Reminder, you can catch every pitch of the Wild hometown broadcast with the Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Wild to enjoy. The Wild trying to go ahead 2-0 in this first round series and uh, just continuing to kind of live in the moment of that uh, first game win for the Minnesota Wild, the epic overtime battle, 3-2 in double OT as the Wilds come away with the win. There was one area in which the Dallas Stars did really use to their advantage, and that was the face-off circle. There were 108 total face-offs in game one. Dallas won 61 of them. And so the the numbers weren't, you know, hideously askew in terms of faceoffs. The uh, the Stars won 61. The uh, the Wild had 47 faceoff wins, but there are a couple of areas in which the inability to consistently win faceoffs could pose a problem for the Minnesota Wild. Let's look at those two Dallas Stars power play goals in which the Stars were able to basically draw a play up off the faceoff and score a goal. They they scored two goals in nine total seconds of power play time in their first two power plays. And it was because they won the faceoff. They were, were able to get a good shot basically right off of the draw to, uh, to score a power play goal. So that was one area in which the Stars were able to um, to use to their advantage to score a couple of goals. In addition to that, 
the Stars being able to win faceoffs while on the penalty kill through the wild power play out of whack on a couple of different occasions. And then you think about it. If you are the team that is defending against the power play, you win a faceoff, you are in position almost immediately to uh, to send a clear back down the other way, uh, the other end of the ice. It's something that the Minnesota Wild have found a way to overcome time and time again. I mean, if you look at the uh, the faceoff disparity in the games that the Wild played against Dallas this season, um, the first matchup, the six to five shootout win for the Wild, uh, the Wild actually did win more faceoffs than the Stars, twenty eight to twenty six. But then 46-18 to in Game 2, which was a 4-1 to win for the Dallas Stars. Uh, then after that, 30 wins for the Stars, 20 for the Minnesota Wild. That was a 4-1 to win for the Dallas Stars. And uh, relatively close, 31 wins for the Stars, 27 for the Wild in the 2-1 to shootout win for the uh, Minnesota Wild. And so, you know, like I said... It's an area in which the Wild have shown the ability to win without, but in the postseason and against a team that is capable of winning them as frequently as the Dallas Stars are, it can lead to some bounces. It can lead to some advantage on special teams that the Dallas Stars will no doubt try to, uh, to contend with in game two. Obviously, the status of Joe Pavelski is a huge question mark for the Dallas Stars, and he is uh, a fantastic faceoff uh, specialist for Dallas, in addition to having Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. And so, with Pavelski in the lineup, without Pavelski in the lineup, the Stars are still a team that is capable of winning those draws and being able to either. You know, on the power play, get things set up right away, or on the penalty kill, get their kill going immediately. And so, if the Wild are not going to be able to consistently outdraw the Dallas Stars in this series, then they're going to need to be on their game. They're going to need to own a lot of those other areas. If you're on the power play and the Stars win the faceoff and immediately send it back down, quickly gather and get right back into the zone and get in on the attack. Uh, if the uh, the Stars are on the power play and they win the faceoff, don't let them get going right off the bat so that they get those quick looks that uh, that can give them some of those dangerous power play goals that are hard for a goalie to see. So it's it just comes down to the details, which the Wild excelled at in Game 1. And so with the blueprint and the formula that the Wild had um, in that Game 1 win, it's something that they should definitely be able to do um, here in Game 2. It's just a matter of committing to and executing on those uh, little details because... We, we've seen it on good display from this Dallas Stars team throughout the season, especially going up against the Minnesota Wilds. It can make your special teams units 
look a little dicey, but you know, credit to the Wild special teams down the stretch to a couple of huge penalties in overtime that they were able to overcome and uh, were able to kill off um, to keep the game tied at two. And so uh, despite those first couple of penalty kills being, well, not the best, uh, the Wild did definitely make up for that as the game went along. So, you know, face-offs and aspects of this game that uh, that are going to be difficult for the Wild to uh, to hold the advantage in. And so if they hold the advantage in a bunch of other categories, they can kind of neutralize the uh, the effect that uh, those face-off wins will have uh, in this game. Now, another part of the equation is the ability to play that road style of hockey, those gritty physical periods in which there aren't a ton of chances. Turns out that was a real popular formula for the Western Conference in Game 1 of all of the Western Conference playoff series. We'll talk about the Road Warriors going combined 4-0 and in the first game of the series as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wilds after a word from our sponsors. There is really nothing as frustrating as trying to find tickets to your favorite team's game or to a concert coming up on the day of the event or at the last minute. But Game Time is now here to help. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the ticket and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Plus, you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the Lockdown Stars podcast to get the intel on the Dallas Stars heading into Game 2 here this evening, which, reminder, is at 8.30-ish here this evening as the Wild try for a 2-0 lead in the Best of 7 series. You can catch every puck drop, every big moment of the Wild's hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Wild. So the road teams in the Western Conference go a perfect 4-0 and in the first game of the series. The Minnesota Wilds beating the Dallas Stars. The Vegas Golden Knights getting beaten by the Winnipeg Jets. Seattle beat Colorado. And the Los Angeles Kings came from behind to beat the Edmonton Oilers. Three of those games were in pretty similar fashions. Uh, And the big theme about all these games 
was the road team came in and dictated the pace from the puck drop. We saw it with the Wild against the Stars in game one. The Seattle Kraken last night did the exact same thing. The uh, Winnipeg Jets did the same thing to Vegas. You had great goalie play from the trio of Connor Hellebuck, uh, Philip Gustafson, and Philip Grubauer, all having big performances uh, against the favored teams in Game 1. And it brings me back to this, this notion that the Wild have held for most of the season is that they've been playing a style that is conducive to winning on the road. And so as great as it would have been to have home ice advantage in this series, I think that was something that the Wild themselves viewed as not a huge necessity. Now, two teams in the Eastern Conference on the road came in and uh, and picked up wins uh, in their series. So you have six out of eight teams that were road teams came away with wins in the opening game of their series. And so home ice advantage may not be as big of a factor as we had once thought. That doesn't mean it's not important, but just look at all these teams coming in, dictating the pace of play, and getting some good goaltending, but also getting some clutch plays from their uh, their top players. That all the blueprints uh, fit pretty much the same way together uh, in all of those series, and it's it's interesting too. Now being the higher seed in all of these circumstances, and how do you handle? The uh, how do you handle the loss? How do you handle going down 0-1 in a series? The Wild were in that same position last year, and they were able to even the series up. They were able to go up two games to one after that uh, initial 4-0 loss to the St. Louis Blues. So the Wild were able to rebound. How will the rest of these teams handle that specific? Um, situation as they uh, gear up for uh, for game two of their series. How will the Dallas Stars handle being down in this series now one game to none? Well, based off of what happened during the game, the hit on Joe Pavelski that uh, then ended up having him leave the game, all reports are that Pavelski is doing okay, but... His status for Game 2 is certainly in doubt. Would be a large loss for the Dallas Stars to not have Pavelski, who is an elite, elite offensive option for the Stars. Great in the face-off circle. That's a huge loss for the Stars to have to contend with, and it comes on the heels of of the Minnesota Wild potentially getting their most important center back uh, for this game two or maybe maybe even game three of having Jewel Erickson Eck back and ready to go. And so that could be a big swing for the Minnesota Wild in this series is if they're able to get Erickson Eck back and Pavelski doesn't play, that's the kind of thing that can give you a huge boost 
heading into game two of the series. Now, being up one nothing, and uh, and in this spot, the Minnesota Wilds have afforded themselves the luxury of be a- being able to just take what they did well and uh, and try to replicate it in game two. And so uh, to finish up today's episode of Locked on Wild, we'll just look at some of the particulars for the Wild and some of the things they need to do to come away with a potential 2-0 lead in this best-of-seven series against the Dallas Stars. We'll discuss that to finish today's episode of Locked on Wild after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, make sure you check out the Locked on NHL podcast to get the full intel on a frenzied start to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Locked on NHL is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. So Wild are up one to nothing. They try to make it 2-0 tonight. 8.30 puck drop once again. Um, somewhere around 8.30, depending on how the previous game goes. And uh, you can catch the Wild trying to take that 2-0 lead. Uh, and you can catch every second of the action on the Wild's hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Wild. Remember last year after the Wild fell behind after losing that game 4 to nothing to start off the series, a game in which the Wild just didn't look ready to go in that series. They didn't look like they were comfortable playing at uh, at that speed and that physicality that the St. Louis Blues brought to the table. They just did not look like they were comfortable playing in either of those situations. And what a difference a year makes. You know, having had the full 24 hours to just digest what we saw in that game uh, against the Stars, I continue to be blown away at the level in which the Wild looked comfortable in what they were doing. The Wild looked calm. They looked like they weren't in any sort of a panic situation, even when the Stars took the 2-1 to lead. The Wild just continued to do their thing. They continued to pepper away at Jake Ottinger. And lo and behold, they took the lead, and then they end up winning in double overtime. It was a team that just even with having to defend against power plays in overtime that could easily have ended the game, it was a team that just was was not phased by the moment. And I, I say all this, fully knowing that it really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot if the Stars were to, say, win the uh, the final four games of this series and the Wild end up losing in five. Obviously, that's, that's really uh, just a consolation prize is, hey, we won the first one, but then after that, we, we weren't able to get anything going. So some of the big keys for game two is to carry over that performance in game one. You, you worry about an emotional letdown or just being straight up tired after a performance like that, a game that went over four hours. You worry that 
you know, you throw everything that you have into that first game and that then you just don't have enough to get back up for game two. And so uh, for the Wild, this is a perfect opportunity for them to show that they are fully intent on avenging what happened last season and fully showing that this is not a team that is going to sit back on their heels and really just kind of soak in the success that they had without trying to build off of it. So a similar performance, physicality, but also puck battles along the boards. That may have been one of the most impressive things about that game one win is the Wilds' ability to win 90-95% of the puck battles against Dallas players just seemed like every time there was a puck that was stuck up in the boards, you had either a wild player getting there first or a wild player getting there and just kind of nonchalantly picking up and placing to the side a Dallas player to get at the puck. It just was, it was a full commitment, full buy-in to doing the little things, the necessary things to keep the puck in the zone which in turn led to more chances, which in turn led to opportunities to score more goals. And so let's not, let's not take our eye off the prize here after one game. Go out and replicate that same style and, uh, and try to really put yourself in a great position here the rest of this series. In addition to that, uh, the penalties are something that the Wilds are going to need to try their best to, uh, to mitigate. Now, you're not going to be able to fully take them out of the game, especially with some of the liberties that were taken uh, by particular former Wild players that are currently on the roster for the Dallas Stars. And so, yeah, there's going to be... There are going to be some penalties, especially if, and I would imagine there's a bit of a line, especially if something were to happen to, say, Kirill Kaprizov, where he takes a third check to the ribs or directly from behind. There, there may be some penalties that, uh, that are taken in those instances, but it's the ones, it's the slashing calls, it's the hooking calls, it's the tripping calls, it's any of those that are just kind of unnecessary and self-inflicted self-inflicted errors. It, it didn't take it didn't take long for that great first period to be temporarily wiped away by two bad penalties that led to two stars goals. You've got to do as much as you can to mitigate uh, those opportunities to put that Dallas power play to work, which means that players are just going to have to do a better job of trusting that if they're beat, that one of their teammates is going to have their back and be able to um, be able to help them out as opposed to taking the penalty. It was pointed out in the comments by uh, one of our everydayers that that was one of the more refreshing things that uh, that Brock Faber talked about after his 
first playoff performance was that, yeah, it was great, he said, but there there were some opportunities that uh, that I probably could have been in better position for. But what happened? He had teammates that were backing him up on the play. And so if this team continues to uh, have everybody's back and continue to make sure that everybody is in a good position, then you can eliminate some of those penalties um, by just ensuring that a teammate is going to be um, going to be able to help you out on the back end. On the offensive side, it's interesting because I thought that all of the lines had some really good moments, but also just felt like there was more to be done by the uh, the wild offense which feels weird considering that um, they did have a couple of pretty nifty goals against Jake Ottinger. But I think all four lines showed their ability to dominate in the puck possession game against this Dallas team. And this was one of the issues during the season is that you dominate in puck possession, but you still weren't able to uh, to get the goals to go. Uh, I think of for the second line, Marcus Johansson had a great opportunity in which he was fed the puck on a partial breakaway. Jake Ottinger just makes a fantastic save. Uh, there were a handful of others. And so some of it is kind of clouded by the opposing goalie just making fantastic plays. Jake Ottinger, you could fill a novel with the number of fantastic plays that he made in game one. And so there were plenty of opportunities for the Wilds to uh, to come away with some additional goals. Jake Ottinger just had one of those nights, and Philip Gustafson had one to match. But you would think that if, I guess the, the point that I'm making is that if the Wilds continue to keep the attack up, it just makes it more and more likely that Jake Ottinger is not going to be able to keep standing on his head and that those goals are going to start to uh, emerge from the woodwork. So keep the attack up. They showed it, the Wild showed it the entire first period. They showed it for a majority of the second They showed it for a good portion of the third before the Stars started to really dig in and uh, and try to make their comeback. In overtime, in double overtime, it was a lot of Stars, but it it was. I'm I'm not trying to discredit what the Wild did because they they played a fantastic game. It's just that's, that's what Dallas does, and there are going to be stretches of these games in which the Wild have to weather a ton of attack from this Dallas Stars team. So offensively, just keep pushing the envelope, keep attacking, and uh, keep putting yourself in position to potentially score some goals. Defensively, you know, just just continue to keep the front of that net open and clean for Philip Gustafson. The Wild did a great job of limiting the number of shots that actually got through 
and that's something that this defense has been strong with all season, is preventing pucks from getting through right in front of the net. You've got three or four sticks that are are basically just turning that into a no-fly zone for opponents. And so if the Wild defense continues to do that, that's going to go a long way here in Game 2. And the final point that I'll make, and Kevin Gorg talked about this, if you you listen to the postcast after Game 1, Kevin Gorg talked about this. And this is, it's so true because it, it's what happened last year and we got through one game so far in which the Wild did this thing. Don't go away from your identity. Don't try to be what the Dallas Stars are. Make them have to adjust their game to what you as a team are doing. The Wild did a fantastic job of that in game one. Stars had to try to adjust And so keep them frustrated and having to try to figure out how to play to the wild level as opposed to having to try to figure out how to match what the stars are doing. Play your style. Keep your identity. Grit first. And uh, should be a great game two here between the wild and the stars. We'll, of course, have you covered after the game as well with uh, another Locked on Wild postcast. So make sure that you tune into that on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. We'll also, of course, have uh, some content throughout the game as well. So make sure, if you don't already, that you subscribe to Locked On Wild so you don't miss out on any of our content throughout the course of this opening round series with new episodes, pre- and post-game content, as well as much more on social media. Follow us on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, and on social media so you don't miss out on anything Minnesota Wild related as we guide you through the rest of this Wild Stars series. We've got new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.